0: Hi there, hi there, hi there. Do you know the name Douglas Mawson? We'll start over for the people who are watching online. You couldn't hear anything I've said already today, so enjoy that. All right, um, Douglas Mawson, if you, uh, if you lived in Australia, I said, he, uh, he's on the, he appears on the $100 bill in Australia and their money. He was an, a geologist, an explorer, uh, went on expeditions, and in fact, in 1911, Douglas Mawson led a 25-man team to the frozen tundra of Antarctica. They were the first ex- ex- expedition. They were trying to, to map out the continent of Antarctica. So they get there, they establish a base camp, and then they begin sending out these small parties on these explorations, these expeditions. And after a brutal winter at this base camp, you can imagine how brutal the winter was in Antarctica, uh, and Douglas Mawson, decides this time for him to go deeper if, than they've ever gone before to explore the interior of, an, of the land of Anar- Antarctica. So he takes with him two companions. Uh, One guy's name was Ninnis. Ninnis is a dog handler. He's there to help the dog teams and take care of them. So Ninnis, so Mawson Ninnis, and this other guy by the name of Xavier Mertz. Xavier Mertz was a um, world champion skier. So he knew how to help them traverse this impossible landscape. And so off they went. And the plan was that they were going to travel 1200 miles across antarctica to chart and to map this land for the very first time 1911 well the conditions as they get going the conditions turn out to be much worse than they expected and after about six weeks they had only gone about 300 miles around seven miles a day so they knew they weren't going to get done what they wanted to get done so they had to turn back but as they began to turn back the weather took a turn for the worse That same day, Ninnis, the dog handler, and his dog team, uh, loaded with most of their supplies, fell down a crevice and disappeared. He's dead. The dogs, most of the dogs are dead. Not all, but most of the dogs are dead. Most of the supplies are gone. And now there's just two of them with about a week's supply of food. No dog food left for the remaining six dogs and a five week journey back to the base camp in front of them. So off they go. They had to start, sorry, they had to start shooting the dogs. So they could eat. They started with the weakest first, one at a time, for food. Eventually, these guys notice that their own skin is peeling, that's just in big, long strips and layers. Not realizing it's the dogs' livers that they'd been eating is so overloaded with vitamin A that they were actually poisoning themselves with toxic, uh, toxic amounts of vitamin A. Three weeks later, still a long way from base camp, Xavier Mertz, the skier, dies. And so Douglas Mawson is now all by himself, but he pushes on. He makes it to a place called Aladdin's Cave, about five and a half miles from the base camp. But the winds kick up unbelievably, strand him at this cave for another week. Finally, the weather breaks. He packs up his stuff, makes his way down this steep embankment, the five and a half miles, back to the base camp, but he gets there too late. The ship that had been sent to pick up the expedition had sailed just hours before he returned. Now, amazingly, six men, six part, six men in this expedition party had remained at the base camp to wait for Mawson in the off chance he would return. And so these now seven guys hole up in that base camp with very little provision and supply, barely surviving through another winter, until another ship can come back for them 10 months later. It just kind of makes you marvel, doesn't it? What does it do to you when you hear an adventure like that? Extreme survival. Hunger. Desperation. Conditions like that. I think for a lot of us, I know for me, my instinct when I hear stories like that is I don't want to go there. <laughs> that is not on my bucket list of places to see. Antarctica now. No, I don't want to go there. Frankly, you know, some of us think, frankly, I'm not sure I wanted to come here today. I'd rather be home watching Netflix. But when it comes to adventure, when it comes to excitement, most of us don't want to eat dog guts and use frozen frostbit fingers to do so. But there's another sense, I think, there's another sense within us that every one of us does hunger and long for an adventure. And, okay, we're at church today. We're going to talk about a spiritual adventure. I think there's something inside of all of us that longs to have a spiritual adventure like that, to to have a journey in our spiritual lives as we try to find or follow Jesus that takes us someplace, that has a story to tell, that's something out of the ordinary, that's something more than just ho-hum, going through the motions of everyday life or every week just going to church and playing the part. Something that has a little challenge to it. Maybe. Maybe because we know that's the only way you'll get to greater reward. Something that's beyond the ordinary. I think every one of us wants that. I think you do. I know I do. I don't always want to get dirty and get out in it, but, but I long for it. I think you do too. This Mawson guy, he he wasn't going to be tied down with a desk job and a mundane life, was he? And I think we feel that way about our lives, even our spiritual lives. Do you ever feel ready to go deeper into the interior of your spiritual life? Do you ever feel like, I, I, I need to grow closer to God, that there's something more than what I've known or heard about or questioned? That there's more to this whole thing than what I've experienced I <clears throat> see the life that Jesus calls us to I think we've made it out to be all wrong it is anything but dull and tedious or boring I mean you have friends right now right now today you have friends that have no earthly idea why you got out of bed and came to church this morning because to them it makes absolutely no sense at all <laughs> I don't know maybe it doesn't make any sense to you either But I think, if we're honest, I think we all know there's something more. Something vast and deep and beyond our daily routines. More than the shallow, mediocre way that we find ourselves in a relationship with Jesus. So, what about you? Are you ready for that? Do you want that? Because God cannot do this. Let me say it like this. God will not do this against your will. He can't. Just like any other relationship, any other friendship, you can't be close friends with somebody if one of the parties in the friendship says, "Mm, nah, you're not close friends. Are you ready for something deeper, a closer connection to God? Well, that's why we're kicking off this new series today that's going to take us all the way up to Easter Sunday in about six weeks. And what I'm going to do over these next six weeks is I'm going to invite you to join me on a prayer journey. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to look at Scripture, at the prayers of Jesus. And we're going to learn from the prayers of Jesus of how and the purpose and the why and the person of prayer. Now, there's going to be several elements that are going to go along with this series. So I'm going to encourage you to be here every week or be sure you tune in every week because I don't want you to miss anything. And over the course of the weeks, sorry you're going to get some homework even today some things i'm going to want you to do during the week cuz if we just try to do this in the you know the 35 minutes that i speak on sunday mornings it's not going to get done but if we commit to this if we go on this journey together i think it's going to change the way you do your relationship with jesus and i think it's going to lead you on an adventure you never thought possible so today we're going to start with this idea of the purpose of prayer a disciple A disciple is anyone who actually follows Jesus. That's what the word disciple means, a follower of Jesus. Not just someone who believes in Jesus, but someone who follows Jesus with their lives. And so if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, we try to imitate Jesus. We try to look like Jesus. We try to do the things that Jesus did. We try to think like Jesus. We try to feel like Jesus. We try to love like Jesus. And the one thing that you notice when you follow Jesus around When you read through the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in our New Testaments, you read those biographies of Jesus, one of the things that you notice about Jesus is that Jesus was always praying. He prayed a lot. Prayer is the way that he stayed connected in this amazing relationship and adventure with the Heavenly Father. So if you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple, a believer, a Christian, you want to do that. You want to learn from Jesus and follow this example of prayer. So we've got to figure this prayer thing out. Now, let's just be honest about prayer for a minute. We tend to make it a little harder than it needs to be and a lot more awkward than it needs to be. Sometimes it even seems undesirable to us. We make it mysterious. We make prayer colder. We just, like I say, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but sometimes we just dumb it down too much. We we make it dumber than it needs to be. So I'm, here's here's my simple definition of prayer. I've used this definition before. I love this. This is, this is prayer in a nutshell. Simple definition of prayer. Prayer is when the real you and the real God have a real conversation. So that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to look at the examples of Jesus over the next six weeks. But we're going to talk about the real you and the real God having a real conversation. That's all it is. The real you, not some false pretentious make believe you not some fake yous not some m- you put on a mask the real you and the real god not not some god of your making or my making or our imagination not just a phony fake exchange with platitudes and like we're speaking another language full of religious words not that that, that. not clichés but a real conversation real you real god real conversation you put those together, and you've got prayer. Prayer is just talking to God. It is so simple that on one hand, a child can do it, but on the other time, on the other hand, we are talking about a wild adventure that is life-changing expedition with God. That's what prayer can be, and that's where I want to challenge you to go: the real you and the real God having a real conversation so if you've ever wondered what do I do when I pray we're going to try to get real practical over these next six weeks what do I do when I pray how do I pray what do I say am I doing it wrong am I doing it right can can I be connected deeply to the father like Jesus was who was always talking about hang on we're going to go on an adventure together these six weeks we're going to discover some things about prayer, about how we can do it, and how we can take use prayer to go on this adventure with Jesus. So one day, some of Jesus's closest friends came up to him, and they say to Jesus, "Hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray." And Jesus says, "Okay, absolutely. Glad you asked." And that's when Jesus shares where we're going to start for the first couple of weeks of this series of these prayers of Jesus. That's when Jesus shares this thing that we call the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. Um, you know this. Even if you've never been to church before, you've heard this before. You, somebody said it at a funeral or you had to go to a wedding and it was on a plaque on grandma's bathroom wall or something. You've heard these words before. We find the Lord's Prayer in the New Testament, just so you know. We find the Lord's Prayer in two different places. Luke records it in his biography of Jesus. He, he gives us this example of prayer, the Jesus' model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, in Luke chapter 11. You can find it there. You can also find it in Matthew chapter 6, when Matthew records his biography of Jesus. Matthew 6 is the more familiar of the two. Maybe that doesn't mean anything to you. It matters to me. Matthew 6 is more familiar. That's where we're going to kind of camp out for the next first couple of weeks of this series. Now, it is a this prayer is a model. It's, it's an example. It's not just something that we recite and memorize only. It, it's, it's a way to do it, it's, it's a path to prayer, if you will. It's a model, an example, uh, a, a template. Maybe that's a better word. A way to do it. But it's so much more than just about how to pray. This prayer teaches us how to unlock a whole life adventure with God, a relationship with God. It reveals to us a way of thinking, a way of living that will radically change us because in the end, prayer isn't about changing God. Prayer is about changing me. So here's my goal. Cards on the table. Cookies on the bottom shelf. Really? I want you to get better at praying. For some of you, that means I want you to start. I want you to pray, maybe for the first time. For some of you who've been around this thing the whole time, I want you to get back into this, develop this as a habit. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But I want you to connect with God. So to do that, you go to the master. You go to the teacher. You go to Jesus, and you say what the disciples said. Hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray? And Jesus says, I thought you'd never ask. So let's, let's start with this scripture. This is Matthew 6, uh, beginning of verse 9, verses 9 through 13. This is the Lord's prayer, the model prayer. Will you read this out loud with me? Will you pray this prayer with me? Let's, let's do this out loud together. Matthew 6, beginning of verse 9. Let's, let's pray this prayer right from scripture together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth full disclosure that last line is actually not in scripture we've added that through the through the centuries to the model prayer the four years of the kingdom the power and the glory of forever we've added that because it makes the song when you sing this makes the song sound better place that part's actually not in the in the scripture now you know all right so there you go uh, by the way you just prayed congratulations you did it i knew you could you just prayed now in matthew chapter 6 where we what we just read this I, this is gonna be hard to be i gotta make a sandwich all right so work with me here In Matthew chapter 6, chapter 6 is the middle chapter of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. This is, to me, this is the most important section of all of Scripture. These are Jesus' words, Jesus' description to us of how you're going to follow Jesus. How are you gonna be a part of the kingdom of Jesus? And so Matthew chapter five, six, and seven is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. This verse comes right in the middle of that. It's sandwiched in in the middle of this. Chapter five, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount is all the, the Beatitudes and stuff like that. Chapter seven is all about ask, seek, and knock, and the wide gate, and the narrow road. It's very poetic, beautiful, challenging languages. But right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter six, right in the middle, is Jesus giving a lot of practical advice about how to follow Jesus, how to grow deeper with God, how to live out this spiritual adventure. So Jesus points out some things that are going to have to happen in your life if you are going to grow deeper with God. If you're going to go on this adventure with God, here's some things Jesus says are going to have to happen in your life. He says you can't follow Jesus in verse 2 without, uh, you can't follow God without giving. Without living a life of generosity, it's just a part of your life. So Jesus talks about how to give and how to be generous and how to look out for the poor and how to care for people who have need that you see around you. Jesus says, when you give, give in a certain way. He talks, you get down to verse 16, he talks about fasting. That's another spiritual discipline. We can talk about that another time if you'd like to. Not if, you notice, it's not if you fast, but when. When this principle of fasting becomes a part of your life, you will grow closer to God. Sandwich between these two things is this between giving and fasting is this part on praying. Jesus says in verse five, "When you pray, not if you pray. If you are serious about following God, you're going to pray." And listen to me, <clears throat> word of warning: This is not like Shazam. You pray, and all of a sudden you're closer to God. That's not how it works. It's not. Uh, it's not a microwaveable meal. It's, it's not a magic trick. It's not a, a secret formula. You will never be close to God if you don't pray. So Jesus says, when you pray, when there's a real conversation between the real you and the real God, when you pray. And before Jesus even gets to the prayer, before he even starts those verses we read, he gives us three important guidelines about praying to help us know that when we pray, we pray like this. Let me show you these three guidelines that Jesus gives us. Again, we're trying to get practical with this series. First thing Jesus says, and this is kind of the theme, maybe you've picked up on it already. First thing Jesus wants us to know is we, we, we got to keep it real. we got to be honest. When you pray, you want to get better at praying, you want to get closer to God, you want to go on adventure, then let your prayer life be real. Listen to what Jesus says earlier, but just before the, 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 the prayer. He says this, when you pray, in verse 5, <clears throat> Matthew 6, 5, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, Don't babble on and on and on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating the same words again and again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this, and then Jesus launches into the prayer we just read together. When you pray, Jesus says, don't get caught up in all the fancy words Don't get all wigged out about am I saying the right thing or the wrong thing or what am I supposed to say or what someone else says and try to imitate them or trying to figure out some magic formula to get God's attention. That's not how it works. Real prayer is when the real you and the real God have a real conversation. So be real. Share with God your real thoughts. He can handle it. Share with God your real emotions he can handle that too. You know, some of us don't even know what our real emotions are anymore doing. I think that's why prayer gets so hard and cumbersome for us sometimes. Because we have to stop. We gotta think. We gotta reflect. We sometimes have to dredge it all up out of ourselves and when we do that, if we'll do that, we just throw it up in God's direction. Real emotions, real thoughts. He can handle it. It's so easy To just throw God the surface stuff. You know, like you do with an acquaintance. You're just talking, hey, how's the weather? It's easy to throw God the easy stuff, the surface stuff, and never have a real conversation. Keep it real. Jesus warns there in those verses I just read about the temptation we've all seen. We've all experienced this about just heaping empty phrases, babbling on and on and on about something just to fill space and to talk and sound important. I remember when I, my first ministry is in Illinois, um, one of my favorite guys at this church, one of our uh, one of, he was one of our leaders in the church, his name was Charlie Nance. I love Charlie. Great businessman, great wisdom, great. Taught me so much about leadership. Love Charlie Nance. But he would have the task about once a month of praying at the communion table before communion. And he would always start his prayers like this holy, 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 which would be fine. That's a great way to say it, right? That's that's right out of Scripture. It's out of a song, except Charlie wouldn't stop there. He would, holy, 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 to the point, he would say so many holies, the high schoolers would count So when we got to Sunday school, they would tell me, oh, Uncle Charlie said 17 holies today. It it became a game. It just became this repeated phrase. You you got the feeling that he was on autopilot, that he wasn't thinking about what he was saying. The irony is, you can use this prayer, this model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, you can use this Lord's Prayer as empty, vain repetition. You can just recite it mindlessly every day. Not a horrible habit, but if you're not thinking about it, if you're not paying attention to what you're saying, why are you doing it? The very prayer that Jesus gave us can be wasted. So don't make it some kind of religious charade. You're connecting with God. Keep it real. Some of the prayers that Jesus liked most, the prayers that Jesus heard people pray that he liked the most, were by broken sinner people who were just crushed in their spirit. And in a desperate moment, they cried out something simple but honest, something like, Help! Help! You ever prayed that prayer? That's a prayer. Help. Thank you. Thank you. Simple, honest, from your heart, emotion prayer. I'm so happy. What a day. God, God, you're going to have to get me out of this one. That's a prayer. Keep it real. That's number one. Second uh, guideline that Jesus gives us to praying is that the, the, the principle is this. It's God first, me second. God first, me second. This is, this is kind of a lab session now with Jesus. We're going to put it in practice. When you pray, start with God, and then come to yourself second. Jesus teaches us, teaches us this in the model prayer. Notice the structure of the model prayer. Again, these are familiar words. You know these words. But there's two parts. The first part is all about God's concerns. That's where you start. Start by telling God, God, this is about you. God, this is about your name hallowed be thy name holy is your name this is about your it's about your will not my will thy will be done your will about your concerns God God this is about your kingdom Lord your kingdom you come first God comes first that's how this works you start praying that way you force yourself to take all of your stuff that you want to take before God all of your garbage you're dealing with that you want to give to God you've just got to hold it down for a minute because you got to start your prayer by paying attention to God get your mind on things above then, then, then we can move to the second part of the prayer. Our needs, our concerns. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Forgive us our debts. Deliver us from the evil. We'll get to all that. But first, where do we start? We start with God. Put him first in your life. Put him first in your devotion. Put him first in your priorities. This is the same passage. This chapter 6. The same passage, just a few verses later, that Jesus is going to say these famous words. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. That's what Jesus is teaching us in the prayer. Put God first, even in the prayer. Isn't it funny? Maybe it's just me. But I tend to do the exact opposite in prayer. Dear God, and then I pull out my laundry list. Here's all the things I need you to deal with, God. Fix her, and do this, and take care of that, and here's a favor I need, and a hedge hedge of protection over her. And no, 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 Jesus says, the second part has to be this the first part is God first thing let your heart and your mind be drawn up to the Lord then then all of the other stuff we bring to him we have a much better perspective on anyway when you get yourself drawn up to where the Lord is his kingdom his will you look back down on your prayer your stuff it just looks different because prayer changes us here's the third guideline that Jesus gives us be ready to listen more than you talk now this one's hard be ready to listen more than you talk we're gonna talk about this in about three weeks because this is this is kind of a big deal be ready to listen more than you talk when you pray you need to be ready to hear from God don't just talk to God listen to God I get it this sounds a little crazy I, I get it it maybe sounds a little backwards but this is the way that prayer actually works. Usually we think, when we go into a time of prayer, usually we think, okay, I've got to inform God about some things. I need to let God know about some stuff that's going on. i got to bring him in on some stuff he obviously has no idea about. i got to tell him some stuff. I want God to listen to me. I want God to change some things for me. I want God to change his mind about me. But the way that Jesus talks to the Father, the examples of the prayers of Jesus that we're going to read about, you get the feeling that prayer sort of flows both ways. We like to think about prayer as as a way to change God's mind about some things, but I think Jesus wants us to know that prayer is about God changing us. And I know you want the Father to listen to you when you pray, and he does. But when you pray, you're having a real conversation, not a monologue. You're having a conversation, which means he wants you to listen to him too there, there's a beautiful example of this in the old testament and there's this young kid named samuel samuel is kind of a young apprentice he's working for the priest eli and the angel of god comes in the middle of the night to call samuel god's god sends this angel to get samuel's attention and, and god's got a job for this boy samuel to do and so the angel comes down samuel samuel and samuel wakes up and he runs to the priest who he's apprenticing under and says, yes, yes, Eli, what is it, what is it? Eli's like, why are you waking me up? I didn't call you. So Samuel goes back to bed and it happens again. Yeah, Eli, what do you need? Eli, what do you need? Samuel, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Happens the third time. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel sits up, runs to the priest this third time. This time the wise old priest is smart enough to figure it out. He says, Samuel, that's not me calling you. I think God's trying to get your attention. If you hear him again, Samuel, you'd be really, really smart if you didn't ignore it. If God calls you again, call out, here I am, Lord. Speak, for your servant is listening. If God is trying to speak to you, you would be wise to pay attention. And sure enough, Samuel goes back to bed. Falls back to sleep, and moments later, God calls out again, Samuel, Samuel, and the boy sits up. And responds, here I am, Lord. Speak, for your servant is listening. God's God's probably been trying to get your attention too, hasn't he? Calling out to you. He's got something for you. Some adventure he wants to take you on. Something that's more. That's why he's calling out to you we'll we will ignore it or we'll fight it or resist it we'll try to keep it shallow and mediocre and casual i'm begging you will you go somewhere with god let him take you on a whole new adventure and it begins with prayer so can i encourage you start praying and in the meantime Start praying. You know enough right now. Keep it real. Put God first. Keep it honest. And listen. What is God saying to you? So, here, real quick, I got a little homework for you. This week, will you do me a favor this week? Will you just start? Mark out a time and a place. It might be in your car on the way to work. Turn the radio off for two minutes while you drive to work. Maybe it's while you're in the shower. Maybe it's your kitchen table. Will you find a place and a time this week, and will you just start praying? If you need to, use this model prayer. Open up Matthew 6 and read this prayer. Use this as your template. Use this as the prayer you pray this week. Or maybe just start just having that real conversation between the real you and the real God. Just start. That's your homework this week. Just start. Let me pray for you. If our community will go going to take their places, please. Father, you are so far above us, yet you you love us and you know us. So help us not shy away from the great adventure that lies in front of us, but to follow you, to follow Jesus, to follow this model prayer, not, not only as a way of praying, but as a way of living. God, I ask that you would surprise us. Surprise us with how important this whole thing turns out to be for each one of us. We pray this in the name of Jesus.